Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 132. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and this week we're going to get a little bit more behind the numbers on inflation, what it means for the Fed, what this latest jobs number meant with regard to interest rates and the Fed and all that stuff. I mean, look, when you get, when you see a lot of this stuff, especially if you're watching, you know, mainstream media, you're just watching NBC Nightly News or, you know, getting the headlines, you're really not getting the whole picture. And beyond that, if you want to start to understand this and if you want to get, you know, be able to sort of be intelligent on what's going on and give both sides, you've got to look behind some of this stuff. Uh, we just recently had the jobs data come out on Friday, uh, and it was surprising. A really, I would say this is a big miss. So the estimate was 720,000 uh, for hiring new jobs and for August, and it was only 235,000. So that's a big miss. And I'll get into the labor participation rate in a little bit, because that's something to, to look at. And what does this mean really for the Fed? Well, the, the market did uh, go down a little bit, although sometimes bad news is good news with regards to interest rates. And it does give the Fed, the Federal Reserve, a little bit of ammunition not to raise rates anytime soon. Not like anybody has really said, uh, you know, even the if you look at the Fed funds futures, not till 23, they're really pricing in any type of uh, increase. Uh, but that... Uh, that was definitely a, a surprise. And at the same time, wage growth has been, uh, has been moving higher. And we know we're going to talk about inflation for a little bit. But, um, you know, look, there, there's, there's sort of a lot to get into here. So we talked about the jobs number. Uh, CPI, by the way, consumer price uh, index is going to be coming out, uh, or at least the the August number is going to be released September 14th. That will be a, a big release. And everyone that you move forward, it starts to be, I wouldn't say it's more meaningful. It's just you've heard them say the base rate problem. Meaning, you know, if you are comparing inflation or CPI in Q2 of 20 when everything was shut down by the government, then, of course, any number now is going to be a really high percentage. Um, the other thing, too, is that we've started to see things like prices on rental cars, airfares, those types of things. In the reopening, uh, year over year, those looked like, you know, rental car prices were up like 100% year over year, of course, because nobody was renting cars. But as you go forward and you start to get further and further past the lockdowns in the U.S., at least, uh, certainly Australia, I think New Zealand, but Australia especially, they're, they're locked down now. Um, the, the calculation, the numerator-denominator issue will sort of start to work itself out a little bit. Um, so that certainly is going to be a big thing. Uh, by the way, in that report, I mentioned this before, I always, I continue to look at the sticky CPI versus the flexible CPI. And the flexible CPI is stuff I'll just call it stuff that is more apt to see, you know, more uh, volatility and price changes where the sticky uh, consumer price index things or stuff, we'll stick with stuff, that is, uh, that has not moved as much. We haven't seen that spike 
really a lot since the late 70s into the early 80s. So still watching that. And the indication on that one is that while the flexible stuff certainly is is surging, it has surged before, it has declined before, uh, but that that more steady line uh, of the uh, you know the the sticky CPI, it's it's not moving that much. So that's another thing to look at. I'll I'll link to a prior episode where I went through the sticky versus the flexible CPI. I think it's it's worth uh, you know certainly taking a look at. So when we think about going beyond the headlines, I'm going to talk about the labor participation rate in contrast to the unemployment rate. Also, we need to touch on container shipping prices and chip shortages. We need to talk about that. Also, the uh, government transfer payments, uh, which, of course, we had two big rounds of stimulus. The ending enhanced unemployment benefits, I think at least for uh, I think the federal unemployment enhanced benefits are going away. Uh, most of the states are going away with the exception. I think California is doing something else. Uh, they're sort of the outlier there. But, um, and, and the impact there on the job market and, uh, and a couple other things. So let's look at unemployment since we just talked about the, the jobs number. Now, it's worth repeating, uh, although I haven't said it on this podcast, but I've said it before. The unemployment rate is based upon a survey. They take a survey and then they, I believe they extrapolate it out to, uh, to get population data, but they call people up. And I think they still just call people. I don't know if they do anything online, but basically it, it measures the, the workers or the share of workers in the labor force who do not currently have a job, uh, but are actively looking for work. And so if they call people and they say, you know what, I've been out of work, I haven't even looked in the last four weeks, um, they are not included in the measure. And when I get to the labor participation rate, that's sort of the second thing that, uh, that is looked at because that's a, that's a good gauge of, um, uh, you know, certainly not only the, the unemployment rate, but then what, partic- what percent of the population is working as the labor force shrunk. Um, and so... With the latest release, um, this is through August, the unemployment rate dropped to 5.2%. Uh, to give you a little bit of a scale on that, in February of 2020, it was 3.5%. So, and then, of course, it, it spiked 14.8% in, uh, in April of, of 20. And it started to uh, you know, certainly come down since then. So although the unemployment rate is down to uh, 5.2%, what has not recovered, now unemployment's not certainly, you know, back to its pre-pandemic February low of 3.5%. Um, that, that's pretty low. I mean, that was decades and decades uh, low unemployment, uh, which unfortunately, you know, you think back, the economy, at least a lot of the measures uh, there are things below the surface, but a lot of the measures that you saw were really trending in a good direction. We had wage growth, low unemployment. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's another discussion altogether. So then you look at the labor participation rate, the labor participation rate, and you know that certainly is not 
is not near where it was. Uh, labor participation had hit, uh, I think it was uh, decades high as, as well, right around, uh, you know, 60, uh, let me look at this one, about 63.5%. Um, now, it went down to 60.2%, but it's only recovered to 61.7%. So if you could see this on a chart, um, it, it has not come back. It has not come back to prior levels, certainly below prior level trend lines, uh, as is the unemployment rate. But one of the things that tells you is that the labor force has, has uh, you know, the, the, the participation rate of the labor of, of people who could be working is, is down. And so that's another area where even if the Fed said, you know, the Fed has said, look, you know, we want to have. Uh, inflation ran a little bit hot. They're still calling it transitory or temporary. But at the same time, they want full employment is one of their mandates, or at least they say it's one of their mandates. And so they do have some cover in that until the labor force participation rate gets back up to, you know, the, the pre-Q2 20 levels, that also does give them a little bit of cover. As we're talking about the, so that that's one thing I would say, you wanna follow the labor participation rate, the unemployment rate. Um, these are all, you know, certainly good things to uh, to look at. I mentioned the, the ending of the enhanced unemployment. And there's been a lot of debate on this topic because when the, what happens there is, so take away the politics of everything, right? But uh, when you have the government injecting more money like they did, um, essentially private employers are now competing against uh, the government for, for workers. And so somebody says, well, you know, I can, I can uh, continue to get these benefits or maybe they'll, they'll wait until the benefits are done. And I think that's why you see, you know, job openings are high right now. And a lot of just an anecdotally, just talking to uh, some people locally here, They've told me that, you know, right now they they need more workers, um, but uh, they can't necessarily find them. Um, and they they've also pointed to some of the enhanced unemployment benefits. But the other thing too is that uh, you know a lot of uh, this one person I was talking to was saying, look, if I pay a lot more to get workers, I've got to raise prices, and then at the same time, does that hurt my uh, my sales? So it's sort of they're, they're stuck in a little bit of a rut here. But when we think about the, uh, the unemployment benefits and then we look at you know the stimulus and things like that. So there are a couple different measures. You can look at salary plus, plus wages. By the way, all of this is, is available on the, the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis website. But you can look at salary plus wages. And you can go back and you can see that, okay, in, uh, what is this, in 2020, so this would have been, uh, what is that, let's say the quarter ending, um, you know, January, February, March of 20, wages plus, uh, salary plus wages was something like, you know, 9.6 uh, trillion, yeah, 9.6 trillion, 
I'm doing my math right. The way the way they work this out, it's it's in billions. So then you know you got to add the zeros, right? And at the same period, uh, if you look back and you say, you know, what were uh, let's see. Actually, I gave you the wrong number. So now I'm looking at uh, no Q1 was was 9.6 trillion and government transfer payments. So this is social programs, uh, unemployment, all that you know, food stamps, all that stuff was about 2.4 trillion. So that jumped. So what happens is uh, wages. Salary plus wages went from 9.6 trillion to 8.9 trillion, and government transfer payments, the social programs, went from 2.4 trillion to 4.7 trillion. So a really big increase, and you could see stimulus one came back down, stimulus two, and it's it's coming back down. The latest numbers I have through Q1, a little over 10 trillion salary plus wages, but we're still about 3.3, 3.4 trillion in, uh, uh, I'll call it, you know, government transfer payments. So this, I bring this up because um, you sort of see how much uh, government transfer payments increased. And like I mentioned, um, there is some competition, right, for, for workers. But this also goes into inflation. And so when you have... I mean the 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 back of the the envelope definition of inflation is you know too too many dollars chasing too few goods, and so I think the the different stimuli is that plural? Yeah, I think it's plural. We'll go with that. The stimuli or various stimulus payments and increased uh, unemployment, you know, that has put some pressure on on prices. I will say that. Uh, wage growth has increased, so we're seeing wages increase. Although, you know, on a on a nominal basis, we're not really we're still seeing it below trend line. But nobody can argue that you know if you look at the last uh, over the last two years post you know pandemic, I mean wages went up during a recession. That never really happens, and the reason why that happened is because the government transfer payments. So you've got a, a weird situation right now where wages are up, uh, the slowing, uh, the pace of hiring has slowed. I think what's will be interesting there, just as a side note, is once you see all of the, the enhanced benefits come off, that's going to be a number to watch uh, if, as they end. And it might take a little bit of time, right? Um, but you know, September, October, I think the September numbers, but certainly the October numbers, those will be interesting to see, to see if the job openings come down and if uh, a lot of those folks decide to, uh, uh, to go to private employers rather than, than the government. But I also think it's worth mentioning there, it's still up in the air. There's two bills right now. There's an infrastructure bill, which I think was a little over 500 billion. That has passed the Senate. Uh, it has not been taken up for a vote yet in the House. Um, some in the House are, uh, are saying, look, you know, we want to, we'll only vote on this if we get to the second bill, which is the, uh, the reconciliation budget bill. So if you're not familiar with reconciliation, um, usually once a year, uh, this year it'll be twice because the, 
uh, Congress actually didn't pass a budget last year, I do not believe, so they can do it twice this year. Don't quote me on that. Like, do your research. Uh, I'm not a parliamentary uh, parliamentarian expert on this, but I know enough, uh, you know, to, to talk about it. But this reconciliation bill doesn't need the 60 votes in the Senate. And so that's the one where they're talking, at least the the headline number is $3.5 trillion, and it would also couple with uh, uh, tax increases. So that remains to be seen whether there's enough support for that. Uh, but keep that in mind, because if you do see another round of stimulus, uh, remember that's, that is a lot of... Um, you know, gasoline to put on the fire. So let's let's talk a little bit too about what's going on behind the headlines. And a lot of, so a lot of the response so far has been for a demand side uh, recession. So just thinking, you know, let me kind of paint the picture for you. Uh, you probably, if you ever took an economics course, you remember the uh, uh, the supply and demand lines. You made one line for supply, one line for demand. By the way, and somebody, it wasn't me who was clever enough to come up with this, but when you draw the demand line, you draw it from the top left down to the right, uh, demand to the dirt, and supply to the sky, meaning you go from the bottom left-hand corner all the way up to the right. And where they meet in the middle is where, you know, that's your equilibrium. And so where demand meets supply that's where that's the price level that people are uh, everyone demanding goods they get what they want and the supply uh, supplies that and they agree on a price right so that's equilibrium so what happens is if demand is the culprit if demand weakens and so uh, let's say there's a recession and demand weakens um, that's considered a, a demand side recession. And there's a lot of different schools of thought on what to do, but, um, you know, judging from the economists who are, um, you know, advisors or, or uh, a lot of them, they are Keynesian or Keynesian uh, economists. And their main thing that they do is they say, look, demand uh, weakens, causes recession. Then the government has to, to come in with a lot of stimulus to stimulate growth and governments spend money and they believe it creates jobs, gives money to spend, that type of thing, right? The other side of this though is a supply side recession. And so supply side recession is a little bit different. And when you have issues, well, first let me, let me sort of explain what it is, okay? So, Supply side um, recession, right? That would be, and I'm not saying, by the way, we're going into recession. I, sh I should mention that. But the idea of, uh, again, when there's a demand recession or demand falls, the, the Keynesian view is to uh, pump money into the economy because the government sort of has to step in for the private uh, sector and believes demand is the problem if you stimulate the demand, you can get the economy back. On the supply side, though, it's it's a little bit different. And so we really haven't seen, um, I shouldn't say we haven't seen it, but 
Certainly the 1970s, you had supply side shocks from, uh, from oil. Um, that was kind of a good example, I guess. But supply side is where uh, supply is less. And I'll get into some of the reasons when I get into you know, shipping and, and, and chips and things like that. But supply sort of shifts. And it, uh, what that means is less is available. But at the same time, you have rising prices. So I would say that supply side shock then, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a, a shock, but uh, basically what happens is you've got, all right, you got lower um, output, you have lower amounts that are being produced, and you have higher prices. And so there's, there's some talk about this now, and, and I think... Um, I'm coming around to the idea that we have more of a supply problem. And I know some of you might say, well, it, isn't that obvious, right? Well, it's not entirely obvious, but it just seems that uh, as I get into some of the shipping stuff, that could be what's, uh, what's going on here. And the thing is, if, if it is a supply side problem, then if you increase, you do more stimulus, uh, or if there is, you know, rising wages, rising wages, increased government transfer payments, that sort of does not correct that problem. It exacerbates the problem. And so this kind of leads us into uh, what's going on with uh, the supply chain. I did a whole episode of how container shipping is causing issues on the supply chain and causing increased prices. So I won't rehash all those points here, but I will tell you if you look at Shang shipping rates for containers from Shanghai to LA, the port of LA, and Shanghai to Rotterdam, uh, those respectively were something like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars to to ship a container to either LA or or the Netherlands from Shanghai, and recently to LA, I think prices are over. 10,000 now, and I think they're approaching 13,000 from uh, Shanghai to, to Rotterdam. And so think about that. You know, prices are up 10 to, uh, you know, 10x or something like that, right? In a lot of cases. Now, there's some components to this too, because some companies have long-term shipping contracts and they've already sort of... Uh, you know, have signed contracts, have arranged, uh, you know, pricing and things like that. It's, it's more complicated than to be on the scope of this podcast. But you certainly have not only increased prices to ship, you've got backlogs. I read an article in Bloomberg the other day that recently there were 40 ships, container ships anchored off the port of LA, Los Angeles, just sitting there uh, because there was delays getting into port. Uh, there are... And when there's delays, there's also, you know, you've got issues with truckers just sitting there at the port waiting. So a lot of backups. The other thing is with, uh, with some of the COVID shutdowns. So recently in, in China, I think it was the, uh, might mispronounce this, but Rantian port uh, in, in China, it's a pretty big port. I think it's responsible for something like 20% of global shipping, or at least 20% out of China. I, I don't remember which was which. But you shut down this port, and all of a sudden, you know, I think they had 100 ships 
that were sort of off the coast of China and different places. So there is not only increased prices to ship, but also delays. And so you've got all of these, uh, these delays in getting goods and, and services, all right? Uh, we think about chips. I think I read in the Wall Street Journal that some of the car manufacturers are actually going to pare back the manufacturing output because they're waiting for these microchips, um, you know, that these new cars, they have chips in them. And uh, the we, according to Bloomberg, I think it was over 20 weeks now, the, uh, the chip shortage. And so um, this is the gap between ordering a chip and delivery has grown to 20 weeks. 20 weeks, that's, uh, that's five months. So if you need this chip, that's got to, you know, there's sort of a wait for that. Uh, anecdotally, I was listening to a podcast and the host explained a uh, good illustration of, of how this has led, the chip shortage has led to uh, uh, not only a shortage of goods, but also maybe an increase in what people have to pay. Uh, this host went into a, they needed a, a new, I think it was a washer or a dryer. I'll call it a dryer. And I think the appliances were, were the color white, right? Goes into the thing and the guy says, yeah, no problem. We'll probably have, uh, it's probably like five, six weeks to get a new dryer in. Or you can do this one here that I have that is silver and it's like a hundred bucks more. And obviously somebody not wanting to wait six weeks for a dryer, pay the extra hundred bucks. And so all of this sort of goes into the supply side of, of things. And I think what is interesting here is, so, okay, so then, so then the natural thing is, and we're nowhere near, um, I, don't, I don't think anybody's, well, no, there are some people. But again, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Let me be clear on that. Um, I, I want to help you look at this data and start to think about it critically. And no way, shape, or form am I saying we're going to have stagflation. But stagflation is when you have rising prices, inflation, and you have uh, shrinking or lowering uh, GDP, gross domestic product. So the economy is shrinking at the same time prices are rising. And that is uh, sort of the, the least beneficial uh, environment to be in because a lot of the moves that the Fed normally would do, like hiking interest rates, um, you know, you hike interest rates to curb inflation at the same time you have a slowing economy. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're going to have a, a stagflation a recession. I'm not calling recession. I don't know when the next recession is happening. But these are all things to sort of think about. So as we, we, we want to have a good idea of, so what do we look for? All right, so if I were you and, I'm, and you want to be tracking this stuff, I want to be looking at not only the jobs numbers, I want to be looking at the unemployment rates. I want to find a source. Uh, so freightwaves.com is a, a source that I found that puts out some, um, some shipping container cost. I think that's an interesting side thing, you know, off to the side to, to look at. Uh, if, you, uh, if you follow the Wall Street Journal Bloomberg, they've been covering the, the chip thing. I would look at this. I would see if those wait times start to come down. 
And the GDP numbers, Atlanta uh, GDP, Atlanta Fed GDP Nowcast, uh, which by the way, recently uh, that one shows, now a Nowcast, by the way, is like right now, based upon all the things that we have and all the data, what are we estimating on an annualized basis GDP to be? Their September 2nd update was uh, you know, positive 3.7%. But I can tell you, at one point, it was over 6%. It doesn't mean it can't go back up. This is a now cast. It's going to be volatile. And you're not going to have all the final things for, you know, we're not going to have a, a preview of Q3 GDP until sometime in October. And that's the first one. Then it gets revised the second time. Then you get the final number, uh, the third release. So it's going to be a while before you get that. But I, I would watch the Atlanta uh, GDP. By the way, Atlanta um, Fed also has a wage growth tracker that you can take a look at. You should be looking at the labor participation rate. And I bring all this stuff up because the Fed just had their meeting, which they titled an uneven recovery. Uh, they were supposed to meet in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Of course, they, they did it virtual and Chairman Powell gave a speech. But they sort of told you some of the things they're looking at. And one of the graphs they had was the labor participation rate. Another graph they had, and this is important to bring up, is uh, uh, the increase in, in let's say, uh, spending on durable goods. Durable goods is, you know, washing machines versus services. Services are experiential things. Um, you know, thing, uh, so services is nowhere near their uh, pre-Q2 2020 trend line. But durable goods, which had not moved much for many, many years, at least on a year-over-year uh, inflation basis, that has to, you know that some of that stuff has is higher. Again, uneven is their theme, and so you can look at durable goods prices. You can look at uh, services sector spending. You can look at retail sales. So, plenty of stuff for you to be uh, looking at. Manufacturing is another one. Manufacturing uh, uh, certainly is something that you want to take a look at. So, anyway, I just want—I wanted to do an episode where I kind of a little bit of of how I've been looking at this, trying to give both sides of it, and you know, all of this. And remember, if you're investing, if you're putting money to work, uh, all of this stuff, though, you know, if you have hedges in place hedges or buffers or other things that give material protection on the downside, like you don't have to try and, and pick market direction from all this stuff. Because if you're hedged, you have protection in place. If it goes down, you have the ability to, uh, to sort of uh, rebuy at lower prices. If it goes up, you participate in a good amount of the upside. So, you know, I, I don't want you to, if, if you're sort of losing sleep at night, that's a different conversation. I'm happy to have that with you and try and help you out. But um, these are the things that I look at on the economic side. And I think you're going to see more talk in the coming weeks or months about, wait a second, maybe this was a, a supply side issue. Um, and, you know, the stimulus and, and if they do more stimulus, um, that that would be inflationary. And I think the other thing you got to watch is once all these enhanced unemployment benefits come off the table, September, and you may not see it in September, right? I mean, somebody who's like, okay, now, um, you know, I've gotten this, I'm going to go 
because now they're making their it's their opportunity cost. So like I could go work here, or I could take uh, some of these benefits. And by the way, some um, it's not to say that there are folks that are on uh, benefits who no choice of their own wound up in in a situation that they have that right. But uh, I think based upon the number of openings and unfilled openings and just ancillary conversations that I've had with uh, with people in business um, of them not being able to to find workers, I think it will just be interesting to watch. And it might you might not see it until November when they release the October numbers to see on that participation rate, to see on the openings, to see on the unemployment rate, you know, all of these things, right? So anyway, I'll put some links into the show notes. Uh, coming up next week, uh, I think it's next week. Yeah, next week, we should have a, a really good guest and we're actually going to stick on inflation and we're going to talk about tips bonds, so treasury inflation protected bonds and kind of go through pros and cons. Are they the best thing to own if you're, uh, you're expecting inflation? And just understand, really getting a deep dive because I think it's a really misunderstood asset and there's a lot of moving parts and some of them aren't what you seem, some of them are. But uh, I think it will be a good episode. So I think we're going to record that in, uh, um, let me see. You know, that, that's probably, we're going to record that in a week or so. So that will be up. And we'll have some other guests coming up as well on the show. As always, if you want to uh, reach me, I'll put my email in the, in the show notes. Happy to talk to anybody. And a lot of these episodes, just like this one, are audience suggestions. So if you have a guest that you think you want me to talk to, uh, go ahead and, and shoot me an email. Uh, com is probably the best one to, uh, to reach me at. And I'll put that in the show notes. And yeah, let me know your questions. Let me know uh, episode titles and, and topics that you want me to do. And if you have a guest suggestion, if you want to be a guest, go ahead and, uh, you know, if you're a good fit for the program, I'll, I'll put you on. So... All right, folks, we will uh, talk to you all next week. Take care.